welcome back to another episode of Let's Have a Sip. I'm your host, Sean Drinks. Hey, we're live. All right, so today's uh, drink of choice for me is a natural barrel, single barrel, straight rye whiskey selected by, you guessed it, none other than the great state of Texas. So I don't really know how that works, but it's pretty good. So um, if you have not had the opportunity to try this, you need to or else. So, Oh, my next guest is Andy Peters, the man, the myth, the legend. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing amazing. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm just chilling. It's Love a Sunday. It. It's been kind of a slow day, but uh, it's nice. I need those some days. So. Yeah, I'm out there with you. It's been a beautiful day. So I know that you said that you came back from... Uh, your son, correct? His birthday yep, party. Yep, yep, his birthday yep. party. And y'all went bowling, and you're you you were kicking some a while you were out. Well, there. today, I mean, today I took it pretty easy. I only threw maybe a handful of times. I, I did the laser tag and got into the air hockey side of things. So okay, what I won laser tag, so I I took the, all the kids out. Man, that is like I haven't played laser tag since I was in like maybe middle school. That is. <laughs> I miss that. That is so fun. Dude, so much fun. And this one was actually good. Like, their lasers will shoot all the way across their whole setup. So you mm. can hit someone that's 100 feet away. Oh, no crap? Yeah, it's the real deal. Wow. So is that in Chattanooga? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's at a place called Spare Time. Oh, I know exactly where that's at. That's, for, that's um. well, I say I know exactly where that's at, but that is in the same plaza where your old business, because I think well, you have since sold it, it was... Uh, so they so spare time is the one down the street across the street from Krispy Kreme. Okay. Okay. Yep. That one's now called Splits Alley. That's next to Fit that was next to the Fit Plus. Okay. Got you. And you have you've recently sold Fit Plus within like the last couple of months, correct? Yeah, I closed it down, didn't even sell it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, we tried um I say we tried, we reached out to a few other businesses and people that we knew might be interested in. And I basically tried to give it away. Oh wow. So I mean you've got you know, a massive book of business for a business that's been in years, business for eight years, um, an entire build out of the kitchen over, I think like 1.3 million is what we have in the build out and all the equipment. And basically I was like, look, take over the lease, take over the business, do whatever you want to. And it turned into a bar, turn into a taco joint or take over meal prep or do both, you know, during the day, you know, make it a restaurant cafe. And then when it closes down night time, do meal prep and catering. And, um, you know, it's the perfect storm of with COVID and everything. And people were just like, we don't want to take on the risk. And I was yeah. like, I mean, you're really not taking on too much risk because you're signing a lease and everything comes with the business. Like it's, it's literally an eight year business that's been running perfect for eight years. And I'm handing you everything with no debt attached to it because everything's paid off everything. And all you've got to do is pay a lease and open the business. So, yeah, and that's that. It's um, what whenever I I think you yeah you had posted a video about it. I think it was you and uh, your wife Hannah had yep. posted a video about. Uh, I, I didn't actually watch the whole thing, but um, yeah, I saw that you were kind of doing away with it, and I was like, I was like, man, because that's actually how I met you. Yeah, was, it was uh, because you were uh, at the time. Uh, using the grid house for a place to store some of the food for people that lived in Cleveland. Yeah, we were so, doing drop-offs there. 
Yeah, and uh, the cool thing about you, I, I'll never forget this because this was this was a one on on your end. So for whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe I was missing some meals or something. You know, shit, <laughs> shit happens. And um, I was texting. I was. Uh, I think I was messaging you or whatever, and um, I was like, "Hey, I'm missing some food." And mind you, your shop is in Chattanooga, and I, I at the time I lived in Cleveland. I think within like an hour or two, you were like, "I'm gonna yeah. bring you your food. I'll be I'll I'll be over there. What's your address?" And you dropped it off, and I was like, <laughs> "Hell yeah, that that service right there. That's what that Thank is." Thank you, man. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I took a lot of pride in it, and that was that was probably the most hurtful thing about closing the business was you know, how much passion I had about it, watching people get in shape, watching people, you know, lose weight and change their life. You know, we don't think much about it, but you take someone that's 300 plus pounds, you know, 150, 160 pounds overweight. And then all of a sudden they lose, you know, half their body. They're playing more with their kids, you know, them and their spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend become more active. You know, I mean, from just a side of going out and doing more to more of, you know, sexually active you know it made everything better for them and when you hear about people coming in and they were always telling us like man me and my wife's relationship has never been better because we both feel better man i've never been like the type of dad i am to my son now i'm going outside and i'm playing with him we're we're throwing ball we're riding bicycles and you know hearing those stories it really was a, a hard thing for us just to say it's time to close it down you know but then the more and more that we thought about it it was like, man, you know, the, the industry as a whole is bad right now. Um, the meal prep service, as far as food costs, because everything that we did was all organic. So it was all organic, all grass-fed food. You know, pricing was going through the roof. Plastics were going through the roof. We didn't know one week to the next what was going to be in stock, what wasn't going to be in stock. So I was like, you know, if someone else took this over, they could revamp the whole company. But it's just, you know, your life has seasons, and this is the end of the season for us. So we over probably – we can have two weeks of talking. We're like, let's close it down, you know, and just move on with other things in life and focus on, you know, our family right now. So yeah. we closed it. We closed it the last week of March of this year. Okay. I got you. And you've, uh, so I'm going to rewind a little bit because I want to kind of talk about like, who is Andy Peters? Because you're, you, you got a lot going on. So <laughs> I know you, you used to work at uh, Unum in Chattanooga, correct? 15 years. So you worked at you were so you were in corporate America fifteen years, and um, I know you transitioned from working there. I don't really necessarily even know what Unum is or what they do, but yeah, they're a um, large group insurance co company. Okay, got you. So uh, I know you transitioned into just being an entrepreneur, and I feel like that term is kind of like loosely thrown around. Not saying that that is with you because obviously it's not, but um, no, it is. You, I know what you, you mean. Yeah, so you've jumped head first into what it is that you're doing now. So I know, I know you're very heavily invested with like cryptocurrency and um, I, I see that you kind of jump around and you support a lot of small businesses around Chattanooga, you know, whether it be like quick strike, which I just saw you went in there the other day um, or, you know, just local restaurants and stuff like that. But um, yeah, you kind of want to talk about, you know, your transition from being in Unum yeah, and, man, then, it's, and, then where, and then where you're at now. Yeah. So Unum was, I mean, obviously anytime I say anything about Unum, Everyone thinks I'm trying to badmouth the company, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, there's nothing bad about the company. The company is a great company. Uh, it, it allowed, it was a great stepping stone for me. And I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for that job, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today because by having that job, I kind of figured out a way to work it to where I had an extra hour to two hours a day while I was there to run other businesses. So while I was at Unum over the course of 15 years, you know, I had my three supplement companies, I had Atomic Muscle, Chemix Nutrition, and then we did another one that was just straight wide labeling for other companies. 
I had a boutique fitness center called Maximum Fitness. Um, me and my wife ran three different uh, like social media marketing companies that did also graphic design and website design. Um, there, were, I mean, there was just business after business while I was working at Unum that allowed me to bring in extra money. So when I was working there, I always looked at Unum as being this money's coming in the same every single week. You know, I'm, I'm getting I'm on a salary that's just coming in. It's not changing. And I said, I'm just going to take that money and put it in the bank and I'm going to go in to invest it. So, you know, they would match your 401k. So however much they would match, I would match that. And then I would include an extra 50% into it. So 50% of my paycheck was going directly into investments. And then the other 50%, I was just putting in the bank. And then me and Hannah actually lived off the money off of side jobs. So, I mean, I'm talking throwing newspapers to cleaning carpets at restaurants, anything I could get my hands on, landscaping, you name it, personal training, whatever it was, I just started stacking extra money. And then around 20, you know, 13-ish and some change, you know, people started talking to me that lived on the West Coast about cryptocurrency. And they were like, dude, you should really get into this. And I was like, man, I've heard bad things about it. Like every time I, I Google Bitcoin, you know, you always bring up Silk Road, you know, where it's drug trafficking, sex trafficking, all this stuff. And I had a really good conversation with a buddy of mine one day drinking coffee. And I was like, man, I feel like if I get into this, I'm supporting the things that it supports. You know, if I'm buying Bitcoin, I'm supporting drug trafficking. I'm supporting, you know, sex trafficking and all this stuff. And I'll never forget, he opened up his wallet and he laid a hundred dollar bill on the table. And he went, what we're about to pay for lunch with that same dollar, that same $100 bill right there is used for sex trafficking. That same $100 bill right there is used to purchase drugs. He's like, so a currency is a currency and people can either use currency for good or currency for bad. So just started thinking about, I was like, you know what? It's a small investment right now. It's super cheap. I'll throw some money into it. And I did. And then fast forward a year later, I see it taking off. And it's like, wow, I should invest more money in this. So I started investing more money. Well, then a good buddy of mine named Doug Palmer, uh, he started telling me about other things because all I knew about was Bitcoin at the time. And he's like, dude, you should check out Ethereum. And at the time, Ethereum was like 10 bucks and some change. And uh, he was like, dude, you should invest in it. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll throw in a couple of grand. Throw in a couple of grand, watch it go up to 13, 14 bucks. Well, man, I've already made 50%. So I put in more. So I started throwing in, you know, 10, $15,000. And then in right around 20, you know, into 2016-ish or middle 2016-ish, uh, I went ahead and cashed out my entire 401k and then dumped all of that money into cryptocurrency and here we are today. Okay. That's a big yeah. leap right there. So you must have had a lot of faith in it at that point. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it was, and obviously me and Hannah had our ups and downs through investments anyhow. So the way I was looking at it was I'm super young, you know, um, I'm in my thirties. So if I dump all of this money into there and it crashes on me, then I lose my 401k. I've still got 30, 35 plus years under my belt to continue working. And I've got all these other side gigs that I can continue doing. You know, I still had stocks that I was invested in. I still had money put back. So for me, it was like, it's either going to be a home run or I'm going to lose. And worst case scenario, I continue doing the things I'm doing today. Best case scenario is going to change the entire course of my future, uh, which obviously it was best best case scenario. So when, so when did Bitcoin come in the scene? Like when, when was it like... What was it like 2012 or something? Yeah, I mean, it really, yeah, it really started kicking off around 2014, 2015. Okay. That's, that's when people started utilizing it a little bit more because when you go back to the early days, I mean, you were paper trading. So it was a QR code on a piece of paper that you just picked up from someone. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, okay. it was, dude, it was weird. It was really weird. I mean, obviously, you still had the digital side of things online, but it wasn't, it wasn't as applicable as it is today. Like today, you've got Coinbase, you've got Kraken, QCoin, 
you've got Gemini, you've got all these different, you know, exchanges you can go and buy Bitcoin. Back in the day, those didn't exist like that, where you could just go and buy this asset, buy that asset, trade this asset. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a little different then. But it started out for me, it started out on Poloniex. That was kind of the the website that took off for me. You said plug in. I don't think I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, Poloniex. Oh, oh, Poloniex. I thought you said plug yeah. in. I was like, nah, yeah. I don't know. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Hey, so I know you, that you said you were drinking on some uh, pretty old, uh, a, a dusty, if you will. Yeah, so. got uh, got this Weller right here from 1975, and then um, I finished it. I didn't pour a big drink of it. I like to savor it, um, and I just poured up this uh, Warehouse C EH Taylor. Okay, well, I love this one. I've never had that one. So, yeah, how is that comparable to like all the other EH Taylors? Oh man, it's amazing. Yeah. I've always said anything that comes out of Warehouse C is going to be the best. Okay. All right. Cool. Plus, it's that warehouse that survived all the tornadoes, too. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got, you know, I, I think the warehouse has a little bit of special, uh, you know, whiskey gods that hang out around it. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Um, so, I, yeah, I know you're a big spirits guy, and I, I know that you have a lot of bourbon. So, okay. How many? Do you know exactly how many bottles of uh, spirits that you actually have? So we, we have an idea. I had a spreadsheet that I kept up with for a while. And then it got to a point where I'm getting, you know, four or five bottles a week to 15, 20 bottles a week. I quit tracking it. <laughs> the last time we tracked it, which was about probably four months ago, because uh, we moved into our house. Let's see, we moved to our house in August. So let's see, August, September, October. So it had been around March of this year is when I stopped tracking it. And at that point, we were around, I think, 2,300 and some change. It was like 2,000, 2,000 2,280, almost 2,300. So I would say right now, uh, close to probably 2,700, 2,800 bottles, give or take. So now I, I don't have the space for that amount of uh, that amount of whiskey. I know you don't have just whiskey. I know you have tequila and other things oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, it, yeah it's um, much of everything. So, but... Is it getting to the point where you're like, I don't have room for this. I have to like add on to the house or like, how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So I've got a, so when you come into our house, we kind of have a, like a foyer area. And then to the right of it is uh, your dining room. And we've never been like the family that's going to sit down at dinner with plates and forks and, you know, get everything plated out and sit there and eat. We, we eat at a table or the couch or just at our bar together. So I told my wife, I was going to turn the front part of the house into like my office and then the whiskey room was going to basically be the dining room so me and my dad built these custom um like surgical steel uh, stainless steel uh, racks that go all the way around the room and each rack will hold about 200 to 250 bottles like per rack per shelf and they go all the way around the whole room so i've got right now i've got about enough room for about another 300 bottles give or take it'll be capped out right around probably 3000 to 3100 um and then at that point I'll probably just, you know, halt buying for the time um, until I figure out what else I'm going to buy to storm. I, well, I say halt. I probably won't because when bottles become available, I have to get them. So they, they may end up just sitting on the floor or sitting in a closet somewhere. Yeah. So Which I've got room in this room. The room that I'm in right now is I think it's an 18 by 20 room and I just use it for my podcast studio. So, I mean, ultimately I could build racks and probably get another three or 4,000 bottles in here, but it's... At that point in time, I think it's just a little overkill. <laughs> My, so I, I think I have like right at like 130 ish bottles, and everything's everything's bourbon. Uh, I, I haven't really branched out into like buying like tequila or wine or anything like that. Which I am kind of getting into wine a little bit more, 
but uh, I don't think I have an amazing palate for wine, but I'm trying to learn. But um, yeah, it's getting to the point where like my fiance is like, hey, uh, you might want to like calm down on buying bourbon right now because we don't have room. <laughs> So, yeah, I couldn't. Ours was that way in our old house. I mean, at our old house, I was capped at about, I'd say, fourteen, fifteen hundred bottles, and then they just start overflowing everywhere to the kitchen counters, to cabinets. Um, and that's what she told me. She's like, "Babe, this is this is not going to work." And I was like, "Okay, we got to get a bigger house, <laughs> <laughs> just for the bourbon." That's no other reason. I think it's. I mean, for me, the the whole bourbon thing is, which I'm more of a Scotch guy, so like I love my bourbon. But my heart's on scotch. So, like, I've got this one here that I'll be sipping on towards the end of the podcast. It's a 1992 Dalmore. It's called the Black Pearl. Ooh. And um, you can only get it. Uh, I think it was – there was a couple of stores in London that still had them sitting on the shelf. So, I mean, this was released in 1992, and it's aged 12 years. So, I mean, it's been sitting on a shelf in this store since 1992. Um. And I guess people just didn't want to pay the price or whatever it was. And my buddy, Matt, uh, so shout out to Matt Lawson. He is he is a whiskey connoisseur, like to the 10th degree. He knows everything there's to know about whiskey, scotch, tequila, you name it, he knows it. Um, he's also responsible for a lot of bars that we have in Chattanooga that have opened up. Um, he's responsible for a lot of bars in Kentucky and Nashville that have opened up. I mean, the guy's a G. And while he was over there, he ended up picking this up for me as, uh, you know, hey, man, thank you for always supporting me, um, you know, just being a good dude to me. So it's, you know, it holds a little bit of sentimental value to it. But <clears throat> the reason I like scotches is it's the story. You know, you get a scotch that's, say, 40 or 50 years old. And let's say the master distiller was in his 40s or 50s when he started, you know, distilling it. He never got to taste his masterpiece. So that's why a lot of like your Macallans and your Glimmerangies you know, some of those that are older that are selling for 15, 20, even upwards of a hundred plus thousand dollars are so expensive is one, the age, but you're getting to drink something that the person who worked their entire life, you know, was like, this is my golden child that you're about to drink, never got to taste it. Yeah. So for me, that's kind of the, it's like, wow, I'm sipping on something that the person that distilled it never got to actually try the finished product. And that's such a crazy thing to think about. Dude, I mean, imagine imagine like us, and that's what I tell you, imagine me is like, you know, there's things I'm passionate about, like whether it's building a house, building a car. Imagine working your whole life and building your dream home. And the moment that you're about to get the key and turn on the electricity, you die. Yeah. But you worked your whole life knowing you're building it for other people, not even yourself. That's what's crazy to me. So, so that's kind of what got me into the whiskey game in general was more or less scotch because I was like, man, there's just so much history behind that. Like you're drinking someone's masterpiece that they made for you, not even for themselves. So it's a beautiful thing, man. That's what I love. That's what I love about whiskey. And it's just the back, the backstory. And I know that you had the opportunity to, I think you had posted this on your Instagram story at some point, a couple of weeks back, you I think you were talking to Freddie No or someone that was associated so, with like Booker's. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So this guy named Don, um, we have a mutual friend that connected us together. And I meet up with the guy, you know, to get a couple of bottles. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be some 40, 50 year old dude that, you know, found some bottles. He's trying to flip them or whatever. And yeah. I meet up with him. The guy gets out of the car and I'm like, whoa, this dude's not in his 40s. You know, and um, I mean, he still looked like he was in great shape and stuff. And I was like, man, nice to meet you. My name is Andy. And we get talking. I was like, you must be deep in the whiskey game. 
He's like, yeah, man, I've, I've been in the whiskey business for a long time. I was like, well, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, he's like, I'm 70, 71 years old. So what's your, you know, what's your story? So he told me his name's Don. And, you know, the bottles that I got from were like my old Weller, uh, old Fitzgeralds and whatnot. And he worked with book. He, well, he worked with um, the Julian Van Winkle Jr. as quality control um, over some of the vats that they did at the distilleries. And then he got into relationships with Booker No and all them. And I mean, dude, we sat there and talked for like an hour and a half. And he was showing me pictures and just going through this stuff. I'm like, wow, this guy's like, this isn't some dude on Facebook or Instagram making up stories. Like this guy literally sat at the desk and was sharing drinks with Booker No and, you know, going out to eat and going to dinners with, you know, Julian Jr. and all this stuff. And the two bottles that I actually picked up from him were gifts to him when he retired from working with them. So, oh, wow. yeah. And he just, he never wanted to drink them. He's like, there's no reason to drink it because I knew one day me and my wife, you know, may, may want to do something different. And it's extra money in our pocket. And I was like, dude, like, yeah, I'll give you the money all day. And when I go home, I'm going to open them. And I'm going to pour up some sample glasses and I'm going to ship them to you. So you can finally drink, you know, the stuff you've been holding on to for years. Yeah. That's super so cool. It, man. it was just, it was just really cool, man, because you know, in the bourbon game, you really don't meet, older people that were in it back then, you know, it's, it's mostly the younger crowd. So to be able to sit there and hear the stories of just, you know, how the, some of the distilleries came about, how he was working with them, how they used to, you know, do quality control and test things. It was, it was rather interesting. Yeah. I got to say one of my favorite uh, bottles that I, that I own is probably going to be like little book chapter four or chapter chapter five. I have both of them They're I think they're just phenomenal. Um, but so out of all your whiskey, let, let's, let's stick with bourbon. All right. I, don't, I don't know too much about scotch. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Exactly. Now it's for me, it's a flavor of the week kind of thing. I'm like, okay, this yeah. is my, this is my favorite this week. And then whatever, if you had to choose just one bottle and you can't pick anything else, what would it be? And that's, 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 that's gonna be your go-to for the rest of your life. Mm. One bottle, and I can't have anything else. No price limit. No, no, no price limit. Mm. I've got a man. I'm probably gonna have to say my my old school wild turkeys, okay. like my, my my late my late 70s and late 80s wild turkeys are probably gonna be my go-to. Um, the taste and the profile, I mean, everything on them is just so, so good. Uh, I mean, they're not terribly expensive. I mean, you can find them. They're readily available, you know, now. Uh, but man, yeah, that's bourbon-wise, yeah. That's probably where I'm going to go. Okay. The old, old, the old water. Water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got you. Well, okay, so what about scotch then? We'll go We'll, we'll go with scotch next. So scotch, it's going to be hard for me to pick one winner. I'm going to say it's a tie. So I've got a Yamazaki 50-year that's probably going to be my most favorite one as far as just the the depth and complexity complexity of the taste itself that's hands down my most favorite one tied right close to that is my glenn Morangi 1974 pride so I've got, I've got a 74 pride and that's just it's unreal it, it's it's got a real thick like old tobacco taste and when you drink it it just stays on your tongue I mean, you're talking 5, 10, 15 minutes later, it's still on your palate. So those are those are amazing. 
Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with that one. I, yeah. I'm, I've, I've never tried it, but I've heard phenomenal things. Uh, that's super cool that you were able to get that bottle. Now, I know that... Uh, so the Whiskey Thief, that uh, the bar that's in Chattanooga, I forget what hotel that it's on top of. But the Edwin Hotel. The Edwin, that's right. Um, are so can you keep bottles in there, or how does like? Because I know they have like certain bottles. Yeah, they've got the lockers, and basically it's just where they keep their own. Uh, Mitch Patel, who's the owner of the Edwin Hotel and Whiskey Thief, has his own personal locker there. Gotcha. But outside of that, they're just lockers, and they actually have the Glen Ranji nineteen seventy four Prod because Matt Lawson, when he worked there. Uh, we opened that up together. So I was the first person. Actually, I'm the first person to crack, I think, almost every bottle they had at one point in time in their locker. Okay. They sat, they sat on that prod for almost a year without anyone cracking it open. And I just kept there. I kept staring at it. And I told my wife, I was like, you know, if I'm going to buy this bottle, I might as well go ahead and open it now and try it here. And then if I like it, I'll go buy it. Because the bottle, I mean, you're talking, I think when I bought it, it was almost 6200 bucks. So it's like, you know, it's it's not a cheap bottle. So let's get a shot of it and see if I like it. So, you know, Matt opened it for me that night. We tried it and I was like, yeah, I've got to have this bottle. It's unreal. How much? Okay. So you said a little over six, six uh, K for that bottle. How much? Oh, so what are you paying? Like a thousand dollars a pour, maybe 500? Yeah. So there was at that point in time, it was $975 an ounce at that Hello. point in time. I think they've hey. dropped it. I think they've dropped it down now to like 750 or 800 an ounce for that one. The most expensive pour that I've seen at a bar is located uh, here in Dallas. It's a, uh, the well it's a it's a restaurant but they have a bar dedicated just strictly to bourbon and uh they had a bottle of the double eagle very rare yeah i think, I think it's like a thousand dollars a pour for one ounce pour and i'm That's just like a phenomenal bottle so you've had you've tried it before i actually had one. Oh, nice so one of my good friends uh that lived in atlanta i went to his house and he's got a massive 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 collection it makes mine look like child's play so he bought this house. It's like, four, it's, I want to say 14, 15,000 square foot and some change. It has a wine cellar. So, and I've posted the stories on Instagram a little bit. He like he doesn't like to, you know, boast. I mean, he don't even have an Instagram account. But every once in a while, I'll throw up a story of his room. And he turned his whole wine cellar into a whiskey cellar. And I mean, when I say it's, it's like a cave you walk into, it truly is. He wanted it to mimic like a cave in Europe or somewhere that you would find in like the bottom of a castle. Yeah. So when you go, when you go into it, like, it's got the lanterns on the wall with like the gas lights flickering, um, all leather sofas in there. That's like the dark brown. I mean, it's, it's set up nice. And he had a bottle of it and we were sampling it, fell in love with it. And he told me, he's like, bro, you know what? Since I know you love it so much, you and your wife are about to celebrate your 10 year anniversary. He's like, you can just have it. And I was like, great. Thank you so much. I can't take it though. He's like, nope, it's yours. So we're goofing off back and forth. Him trying to hand it to me, me trying to hand it back and he ended up dropping it. Oh my, I, I just had a feeling that's what you were going to say. Oh my yep. God. And I learned at that point in time, when you've got two guys who have been drinking all day, they should not be fumbling around with a ball of whiskey, period. So uh, it was terrible. My, my heart hurt so bad. It was terrible. We, we actually took, we had probably maybe three or four pours left in the bottom of it, but there was glass everywhere. And we ran it through a strainer and all kinds of filters and all kinds of stuff just to make sure we didn't have any glass so we could save what whiskey we had left. So that, that my heart hurts for you. So, so for everyone tuning in, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but so I think they only made one barrel of that bottle, correct? 
Yeah, they've got well, they've got another because I know that they're doing another release. Um, Chattanooga's getting two bottles of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chattanooga's getting two bottles of it this year. So, I mean, I don't know. I'll be completely honest. I've watched the videos on how they do, you know, the the bottles themselves, how they, you know, blow them in house, you know, how they make it. But I never researched on how many barrels of that particular one they have. Um, I will say, if you ever come across an Eagle Rare 17, uh, you know, it's part of the BTAC series. It's yeah. you're going to be pretty dang close, you know, on that one because I've I've got one and absolutely love it. Yeah, I have. I haven't tried one of those yet. I haven't seen any for sale out and about. Uh, I have seen BTAC uh, for sale. You know, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars, whatever. But um, yeah, I couldn't imagine dropping that bottle because that's like a like fifteen thousand dollar bottle. Yeah, he paid. I think he paid eleven thousand some change for his. Yeah, that's crazy. I I've seen one for sale out in the wild here in Dallas. I just happened to walk into some random liquor store and I did like a quadruple take because I was like, "Wow, do y'all really have that?" And they told me how much it was, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm done." I'm, I'm They're probably selling for like twenty k or something. It was uh, I think it was eight eighteen eighteen k. Yeah. And then the this liquor store is literally right down the road from that place I was just telling you about, Smoky Rose. And uh, I was like, "Wow, I saw two in one day." So that's crazy. But but yeah, man, uh, I love bourbon, and it just hurts my heart that that happened. But anyways, that's in the past. Let's not worry about it, everybody. But um, so I'm going to rewind a little bit and come back to uh, cryptocurrency. Um, I know that you're a uh, trading analyst for Carbon Capital. Correct. What exactly is Carbon Capital? So Carbon Capital is a broker uh, that basically allows people to connect uh, to trade currencies. So you can trade foreign exchange currencies. You can trade stocks. Um, you can trade cryptocurrency. You can trade, you know, over 200 plus instruments on their platform. So they're they're just a connection with the banks themselves because you can't trade like me. I can't sit at this desk and trade, you know, contracts directly with the bank. I have to have a middleman. So basically, they are the acting broker between an individual and the bank. You know, securing the funds, putting up the money, and allowing you to have those contracts to execute. Okay, pretty straightforward. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's rather, you know, it, it's rather simple. Um, now, if you go online and, and read about it, I mean, just trading in general, it seems very complicated. But, I mean, basically, you just have a broker that brokers out a deal for you. That's the broker. You select whether you're wanting to buy or sell something. They handle the contract. They pass that information to the bank. The bank processes the contract, and boom, you're locked in. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've uh, that's I, I find that stuff very interesting, and... I haven't taken too many steps to kind of really dip my toes and all of that stuff because I know I, I had asked you quite a quite a while ago yeah. about like uh, you know the Pip Connect, which is I think that's some, that's your business, correct? Yeah. So the Pip Connect, I wanted to build a community of just like minded traders to where people would have a place to come, almost like a safe haven to where they wouldn't get scammed, you know? Because then, I mean, you've probably had fake people, you know, message you from uh, fake profiles and stuff before, and mm -hmm. it you know it's just it gets ridiculous. And when I realized how many fake profiles even I had in myself, I was like, you know what? I need to build a community. So I'm going to build a community so people can feel trusted. We can communicate back and forth and we have like-minded traders there that can help other people see what they're seeing. Um, so it's been three years now that I've had it. Nice. Yeah. And I know that you to told me about baby pips. It's kind of like a yeah, it's it's free education, man. It's the best place yeah. to go to get education. Period. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's it's super cool. And I yeah, I need to get back on that. I've been lazy as a motherfucker. I'm not going to lie. So, 
But yeah, so um, now if anybody actually wanted to, um, you know, take some of your courses, which I know that you do some uh, in-person courses and you do some stuff online as well, or if they want to kind of like pick your brain, yeah. how would how would they go about doing that? So, I mean, the first place is going to be reach out on Instagram. Um, and it's just real Andy Peters. You can see in the video, it's R-E-A-L-A-N-D-Y-P-E-T-R-S. There's no dots. There's no underscores. There's no extra S's. Because that's what all my fake accounts do. They add little stuff to that to get you confused. Um, so they can reach out to me on Instagram, or they can come to the website, which is thepipconnect.com, which is just the T H E P I P, then connect C O N N E C T.com. And there's a little chat box on there. You can submit, you know, a chat to me. We can communicate through email. And I mean, that's, that's really it Instagram and then the website. Cool. All right. Well, y'all heard it here. Until next time, everybody. Peace.